Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Uh, welcome back to another episode of the County Bureau Field Report. The County Bureau Field Report, of course, is a member of the Believe podcast family. That is why the title on your favorite podcast platform reads, Believe in the County Bureau Field Report. That is not a request to have faith in a podcast. That is just me being part of a podcast network, which is very nice to be a part of. Uh, also, it's spelled B-L-E-A-V, not believe, but I don't know. I mean, either would sound weird, right? Enough of that. On to this week's wonderful, wonderful guest, uh, who is a comedian, a walker of America, and if you t- type her name on Google, make sure you add comedian, or else yeah. you do not even want to talk about that. Hi, it's me, Jessica Watkins, not the one who stormed the Capitol. Right. Welcome, Jessica Watkins, everybody. Hi. Yeah, I'm, I'm, that's the first that's coming up these days. So I get a lot so, of Google alerts. I'm so, so sorry. Uh, I hope that like this special uh, slash documentary about you walking across America and doing standup gets you higher in the Google rankings. So <laughs> the Oath Keeper, Jessica Watkins is uh, done away with. Yeah, it's definitely not me. I'm really, I've never been good at keeping oaths or, <laughs> or, or any sort of commitment. Right. So. Except, except, except the big one, right? Right. Except for the long walk that I did. Mm-hmm. Um, how is it going? How has quarantine been? Where are you quarantined at? I am in New York City. Um, mm-hmm. I was staying in Manhattan for house sitting for friends like they were a state away so I was at their place for like nine months and I just moved back to Astoria um so quarantine was you know it was all right I was alone I was it was a solo um venture um but you know made it out okay I think right do you think your experience taking what was it nine months to walk across yeah the whole thing was nine months that I was gone nine months so we we've been in quarantine for over a year yeah what are do you think there are any parallels do you think like you going through that has made this easier perhaps um i definitely think it's you know i've spent a lot of time by myself before so (laughs) yeah i imagine that couldn't have been a bad thing you know to as far as like preparing for this right um so yeah i think that that that's definitely one aspect of it. Um, I think the communal nature, the fact that everyone is going, well, you know, kind of going through such a similar thing, right. that's a definitely a different experience, you know, because um, that's one of the, when you go and, and do something like the walk across America, one of the like overwhelming feelings you have is just kind of like you've gone through something, but everyone else is the same and um so it's kind of nice to have that communal feeling i think like we're all equally um we're not equally probably but we're all getting traumatized we're all getting yeah the entire planet i like i don't know that this would ever happen again in our lifetimes that a single shared experience will be uh had by nearly eight billion people i mean i am expecting some sort of um, alien, 
<laughs> yeah. forces to come down anytime now. So I'm, I don't know if this will be the last. Um... Yeah. Any specifics? What are we talking here? Grays, the <laughs> reptilians? No, it just <laughs> feels like, you know, we've, we've been really just sort of spinning out. It just feels mm -hmm. like it, it's, you know, we just need a little, just a little bit, throw another iron in the fire. So uh, on top of like a deadly virus and systemic racism and climate change, just like another thing. Just one more, <laughs> something just, you know, different talking point, you know, just like, right. yeah, <laughs> let's talk about space. Yeah. Do you think that if aliens invaded that um, Gen Xers and baby boomers could stop calling a millennial soft? <laughs> Um, you know, I feel like we would be able to bond um, properly with, with, I don't know, we're good with change. So mm -hmm. hopefully they would, I'm a, I'm a millennial, right? I'm a millennial. Yeah, yeah, you're a millennial. Okay. millennial. I, I don't even know how <laughs> That's old a very millennial thing to be like, am I? <laughs> am I? <laughs> yeah. We're not even like proud of our gen, like Gen Xers love how like cynical they are. Baby movers love how like secure they are in their place um well a lot of the greatest generation has died off but uh like millennials i feel like between yeah millennials i don't know if it's yeah it's a very questioning generation um gen z seems like it has more resolve and confidence who knows what the future holds that's right why i think alien life force i just you know it's got to be out there so right. matter of time matter of time matter of time i wonder i i i truly don't know if it exists i'm not saying that it doesn't i do think t it would be for me uh pretty hilarious if we were alone in the universe yeah you're right i guess i'm pretty it's like a very optimistic thing to think that there is more life out there to me it's like a numbers thing it just feels like there has to be right i mean yeah there there's okay so scientists uh who study those fields uh have disagreeing opinions on this uh obviously like the amount of universe that we even know that we have observed would point to the fact that like there has to be probability wise other civilizations uh even advanced civilization even ones that are more advanced than ours that exist but then there are other like physicists or statisticians or uh, that say that like if that were true, we would have ran into them by now. Mm, uh -huh. Maybe they're here. May yeah, amongst us. Amongst us. Do you think you ran into one of them while walking across America? It's not out of the question. Um, <laughs> I definitely had some interesting encounters. Uh huh. Who was the strangest person that you came across? Um, you know, there were a lot of, I don't know, there were, there were a lot of strange people, but. The mean um, old lady like, at the KAO? I was reading your special thanks. <laughs> yes, the mean lady at the KOA. She, oh, that one was awful. Um, I did not end up staying there. Right. Um, I called her. My mom actually called that KOA to prank phone call them um, mm -hmm. over and over again after I, and she was like, she called, she told me that she called and was like, I'm looking for my daughter. 
later, like, I was like, mom, that's not a prank phone call. I tell them that you're like, I'm missing or something. That's not <laughs> cool. I'm going to get like stopped by a trooper or something, but right. Um, I did meet this guy. I was in, um, I think I was in Arkansas and I had really been contemplating quitting, which happened pretty much every day. Right. Um, but for whatever reason, um, I think I had just made it to maybe my halfway mark or a thousand mile mark or something like that. Right. And I went underneath this bridge and there was this guy selling watermelons under the bridge and he kind of stopped me and he like just looked into my eyes and he just had these great, like there was just something, like I felt like he was looking through me mm -hmm. was, and he gave me this whole pep talk. He was just like, I, you've thought about quitting. I can see it in your eyes. Like you can't give up, never give up. Uh -huh. And then he like gave me a watermelon. <laughs> you just had a watermelon? I, and then I just like pushed on, you know, and, uh -huh. but it was like little encounters like that of people who, um, I don't know, just made you feel like, the timing of it, it, it being like just what you needed to hear or like mm -hmm. just that little extra push to help you right. to keep going. Right. That was an interesting thing about the, like your journey too, is I think you kind of like oscillate back and forth between like the universe will provide and then like, well, I don't know, maybe it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Did yeah. you figure out which side you were on or is that not even the point? it's not really the point you know um i mean i think it's a very like privileged point of view to come from to be like if you just you know trust in the unknown then like mm -hmm. it's all going to be provided for you like obviously that's not the mantra that all people can live by but i do think that when you um in these type of situations when you extend yourself and open yourself up um i do think that that cool stuff can happen and i was a witness of that firsthand time and time again. So that right. was cool. Right. So that was in 2014, a much more hopeful version of America. Yeah, you know, um, I was reflecting on that because on in that year was the year that Mike Brown got shot. So like, while right. there were these protests happening, mm -hmm. I was pushing this cart down the road and this guy was like shot in his own neighborhood. And here I was just like, you know, sleeping illegal places. And I was only stopped by three cops the whole time I was gone. And, right. you know, each time they were just like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm walking across America. And they were like, all right, well, skippity doo da. Like, you know, right. just, um, in addition to people just giving you stuff, like helping you yeah, out. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, I do say that it taught me about the kindness of strangers, but it taught me a lot about white privilege because, you know, just the, the people gave me the benefit of the doubt, you know, mm -hmm. and um, I'm sure that experience would have been different if I weren't a white woman. Yeah. So like what, I mean, do you have feelings about it now? And I, I mean, I've known people, maybe not necessarily walking across America now, but like during this last year, just like they got a tent and they put it back in of their uh, station wagon and like mm -hmm. drove across America. Yeah. Um, but it, it's a much different, I mean, oh, we're almost at that dystopian part, almost. I mean, th this country's fucking weird and it's, <laughs> you know, I mean, it doesn't matter which section of time, it's right. just strange. And, um, it's, uh, 
it's like the same everywhere, but different. You know, it's like this right. <laughs> sound like very kind of half-baked thoughts, but it's true. Right. Like our differences are what we have in common and right. our, um, you know, you drive half hour outside of any city, you're in the middle of nowhere, like no matter what the city is. Yeah. Um, but you're also not in the middle of nowhere because you can, you know, I got help along the way. I was, you know, in, in different circumstances where it made me realize I wasn't in the middle of nowhere. You know, I was right. just a car ride away or just a person away from mm-hmm. being wherever I needed to be. And so, yeah, it was definitely a lot of juxtapositions. Um, but I think that that's kind of our, that's definitely a takeaway of our country. Right. And I would even, I would even extend that to the world like of, I mean, I've gotten to benefit from the kindness of strangers, like, you know, when I've been overseas, just visiting. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, to your point about like, we have more in common than we don't, or our differences are what we have in common. Largely, I think people are just trying to get by, like, you know, yeah, they're absolutely. In, in different circumstances and whatever, maybe they have to be a certain religion or a certain party, but like, uh, politically, but they just like, yeah, they just want to get by. They don't want to hurt other people and they just want to be okay. They want to take care of their family. They yeah. want to be able to like not be stressed about money all the time. Right. That's it. That's it. Yeah. And, the, and, and, and if you can get to that sort of hu- human core with whatever I think you want to talk about, I, I think that is what's like relatable, no matter what, how specific your lived experience is. Yeah. I mean, the problem is that a lot of the people that I've met are, you know, just as you see it in the landscape of our country, like people are so consumed with, um, you know, how much they have to work in order to provide for their families or, or just stressed about education, healthcare, like all those things. They can't really think about like the existential mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I think that that's definitely changed a lot in the last year. Obviously, it's like shifted all of our focus a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's definitely something that's different. Um, You know, when when I was doing the walk, it was kind of just, I think that Black Lives Matter was just starting. I think it was like just kind of starting the shift a little bit of um, people kind of realizing, wow, things are like pretty fucked up. <laughs> or I mean, like, not that we haven't realized that before, but I think yeah. specifically with. Yeah. And, I mean, that's and, that the, we, and that's hard for us to know what's going on. Like, it's just, mm-hmm. you know, people have a lot. It's hard. It's hard. Well, it's and now it, it's so, I empathize with people who find the news suffocating. And so they just like, don't read it. Right. But it's, I, I'm a person that just has to know yeah no matter how bad it is you know yeah Uh, absolutely yeah i mean especially like knowledge is power so knowledge is power uh i mean we're we're living through history and it's painful but we are denial that you know doesn't absolve you Uh, you know i don't know like i I guess maybe it's just different yeah different personality types i totally understand sometimes people do have to like create boundaries for themselves and Mm -hmm. um but i guess yeah i i definitely feel like it's important to be personally and informed right somewhat so i you know i i want to ask this last question then we'll get into some comedy news um and then get back to the your whole special and everything else like 
you know, you mentioned in the film that like your whole, you as a person and your comedy had shifted throughout that journey. Do you think it has shifted through this other journey that we've been through? And if so, how? how? Yeah, um, absolutely. Because um, for the first time since I started doing stand-up, I allowed myself to not do stand-up and that felt kind of great. So I haven't even been on stage since last March. Um, I did get my second vaccine today. Hey, Pfizer or Moderna? Pfizer. Nice. Represent. Um, (laughs) Like that matters. (laughs) uh, Yeah, I have no idea. Um, Oh, so I'm hoping to be on stage in, you know, in the coming months. Um, And I think what it has changed is just um, giving a new fun, excited feeling about performing and taking away the, you're not writing enough, you're not doing enough, you're not out enough, what are you doing with your life? Right. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like there's echoes of that in your film. I feel like it's oddly like timely in, in that regard because like people are realizing, especially because you're in New York, like you don't need to do five sets a night to call yourself right. a comedian. Right. And if anything, if you're keeping track of that BS, it's like, <laughs> are you even like thinking about your actual comedy and whether it's like good or not or whether you like it? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And everyone, you know, everyone has, I think that that's the other part of it. It's just like people are going to be different and comedians are going to be different. And I think that definitely through the pandemic with stand up not being able to be like just pure you and a microphone on stand up, which is what, you know, a lot of that kind of esque of like, I have to get up five sets a night in New York is very much like purist, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and then now all of a sudden, like, that's just not a possibility. So I think it also just opened up people's minds of, you know, what it means to be a comedian and that like, yeah, you can be a stand-up comedian and not, um, yeah, be performing every night necessarily. Right. Or even every week or every month. Or whenever (laughs) you want. Yeah. Yeah. A couple guests ago, I had uh, my friend Candace Thompson, who's like, she's past the comedy store. She like writes on TV and stuff. And she was like, yeah, I was like performing like twice a night. And then last year I performed five times. Yeah. And that's just what it is for now. That's just what it is. That's just what it is. And she's, she's fine. She's like, you know, uh, I mean, it's, that's not to say that like everything around us isn't terrible um and that like that's the reality of it but like you know the the adaptability of human beings is almost astounding i I find sometimes i'm rooting for us yeah (laughs) what a hopeful thing to say especially from a comedian i feel like so much of comedy is dedicated to just denigrating the idea yeah i was being uh, facetious okay i mean (laughs) no 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 no. i am i am (laughs) All yes and either way. <laughs> um, 
Well, thank you for that answer. And I want to get into more uh, about that and definitely uh, special-ish uh, yes. that comes out May 11th, right? May 11th, yeah. Uh, on on what streaming platform? So it'll be on iTunes, Amazon, and then a plethora of others. I just don't know what exact ones yet. So that's Great. all part of the distribution fun, but it'll be available on streaming and on demand and just Google or check out the website or my Instagram and um, we'll have all the info there. Yeah. You won't have to worry about going to a COVID safe theater or even what that means to watch it. You can watch it. You can watch it right from your computer, phone, TV, Mm -hmm. iPad. Yep. Yep. You can do all of those things. Okay, on to some comedy news. First off, this actually broke last week, but I just love that this is happening and very curious that uh, what's going to come of it. Uh, Kristen Wiig and Annie Momolo, who uh, people might know uh, as the co-creators and co-stars of a little film called Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar, are being tapped by Disney to uh, develop a new film that is within the Cinderella universe, but focuses on the lives of the evil stepsisters of Cinderella. And... <laughs> Just imagining Kristen and Annie, uh, even though they're, they're not going to play the stepsisters, what they possibly could do with that premise, uh, it just has uh, the wheels really turning in a wonderful way. Um, do you, I mean, did you watch Barb and Star? I have not seen Barb and Star. That's fine. It's fine. I should have lied. I'm supposed to lie and say yes. Um, but um, <laughs> wait, so... Um, you said that this is going to be a live animation? Um, actually, it's going to be, yeah, I think it, it hasn't really been determined yet. My guess is it's live action. Um, Kristen and Annie might be in it, they, but the goal is to actually have younger actresses play the evil stepsisters. Um, so. Well, I, um, I think it'll be uh, interesting. I mean, uh, to be honest, I've never really wondered about those evil bitches, but yeah. um, you know, we'll see what's been going on all these years. Right. I think if I'm remembering any Cinderella movie or TV thing that I've ever seen, they take up probably five minutes out of like a whole movie. <laughs> they get a little attention, I think, here and there. Yeah, just a little bit. But yeah, they're definitely, definitely side characters that only like you see them in the beginning and you see them at the end, I think. So do we know what age range this film is being made for? Uh, not as of yet, but I truly hope that Disney is allowing Kristen and Annie to do whatever the hell they want and make it as weird and non sequitur and absurdist as they so please. Uh, and maybe that means that it's not gonna be PG or PG-13. Right. Yeah. Um, what would you like to see out of it? You know, I, uh, I don't know. I, I have trouble. Um, I mean, okay. I'm excited. I'm excited for this, but Mm -hmm. 
oh, we're doing Cinderella again, you know? Again? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. This is this is corporate America thinking. I mean, that, I guess like, that's why I was curious about the age. I'm like, okay, but maybe it's towards kids. Kids, you know, they like stories they can relate to. They know the story. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm just, you know, I really want some fresh content here. Yeah. Just, I mean, you can make an evil stepsisters movie that has nothing to do with Cinderella. Yeah. I mean, this is just corporate America trying to like just squeeze Brand. every little juice out of IP that they possibly can. You know, okay, well, we haven't explored the stepsisters yet. We, we already did Cinderella. We did Maleficent. Okay. What else? Yes, they're like, let's go back. Let's do it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we we even did Into the Woods and that's a whole other thing. Uh, but, you know, let's, uh, yeah, let's uh, look into the, the minor characters. Um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, so from that angle, I understand. And I you're just like, I, 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 I am desperate for fresh content. And I was actually... I think what's been refreshing through as far as movies have been concerned throughout the pandemic is like a lot of indie movies have gotten to see a little more higher profile because like you can't been able to go to movie theaters and because you haven't been able to go to movie theaters, studios have been kind of hoarding all their big releases until kind of about now. Right. Um, so weirder movies have gotten to see the light of day as opposed to just being like in whatever your indie movie theater is. Yeah. I don't know um, what's going on with the, with it. The, there's like the rats in that film as well. Like I would like to maybe just dive a little bit more into what's going mm -hmm. on with them as well as the evil stepsisters. So. Yeah. You know, maybe the rats will be a part of it. Maybe there will be a whole musical number where the rats dance with the e evil stepsisters and it'll be great. I'm hoping for that. Yeah. Um, sidebar, you should go watch Bob Burnstar. Go to Vista Delmar. It's uh, okay. It's an absolute absurdist delight. Um, right. There's almost like, it's it's almost like substantive in the way that it has zero substance at all. Okay. Oh, I, that's exactly what I need right now. Yeah. Like I don't want to really feel anything. So it's like perfect. in the best way. And I mean this as such a compliment. So, so stupid. It's so <laughs> stupid. Okay, great. That's right up my alley. They, they, they use Jamie Dorman, Dornan as such like a plaything. It's so hilarious. Okay, I'm into it. Yeah, it's great. Uh, so look out uh, for the development of the movie uh, and see what comes of it. All right. Uh, next, Seth Rogen recently in a New York Times profile it, um, revealed the uh, passion project he's been working on for several years, which is a silent action comedy movie silent yeah he he doesn't want there to be dialogue i mean like i don't think it'll be entirely silent but like most of it he wants to have sort of like be inspired by buster keaton that is very interesting Inter interesting in what sense because interesting i think it's cool i think it's I, cool i do think it's cool so he wants to I did especially think coming from Seth Rogen, that's like a very interesting right. idea because right. he's very like, you know? Yeah. 
now I forgot <laughs> this is a podcast, so people couldn't really see my visualization, the visual there, but um yeah, there there was a grand gesture of the hand and, <laughs> and like her uh Jessica's eyes really opened up like a, a cartoon. Uh and yeah, I guess just Seth Rogan is so when I think of him, I think of you know, yeah, it's yeah. very verbal. So very verbal. Yeah. <laughs> I almost thought when I was reading the story, like Wow, what would a Seth Rogen movie without Seth Rogen's laugh be like? Yeah, I don't know. Just that. So sort of, wait, you said they've been working on it for six years? No, I he's been. It's been a passion project that he's been working on for years. It actually, the article says the last five years. Uh, That's crazy. Yeah, an IndieWire. It's gonna be cool. I think it's gonna be cool. It is cool. Uh, I, I he's not saying anything else about the movie at this time, but like, I mean, you know, I I think. Look, they I mean, did. He's whole- mastered the stoner comedy, and yeah. he's he's trying something new. I think that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Look, there is. It's not entirely without precedent within our generation. There was a an entire episode of BoJack Horseman that did not have any dialogue. And it was wow! Great. So, yeah, there you go. They they had to put BoJack underwater, and then there was a bunch of hijinks. But it was still fun, even though that that is a incredibly dark show. um so that uh project's called escape uh and you know we'll see what happens with that um yeah this was uh this broke today uh there are a group of lawmakers that are calling for antitrust uh litigation against live nation and ticketmaster as they claim they are holding a monopoly on the live uh, event ticket market and i mean i mean yeah th- that's that's right i mean i mean the, the only way you can get a ticket is to just keep refreshing on your computer on the same website of the, like i don't know yeah that seems yeah there should be some other options there right and um in this deadline article uh it says that um there there's even though Live Nation Ticketmaster introduced sort of security features to prevent scalping. That is also prohibited competition by other more legitimate secondhand resellers because Mm -hmm. you can't buy tickets validly unless you buy it on their platform. Right. Like you should be able to resell your tickets. Yeah. I believe. But you shouldn't be able to just buy a hundred tickets as soon as the you get your place in line and then resell them. Right. And I'm sure there's an easy way to not have that happen. But yeah, it does seem like literally every event mm-hmm. ever is Ticketmaster. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I, I'd be curious, what shows have you done in New York that are that had tickets through Ticketmaster? I do not know the answer to that question. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry. Wait, so uh, most of your stuff is like Eventbrite, brown paper tickets. Yeah, I would say Eventbrite. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I mean, that's the word. I mean, there's this news that's coming out, but like the hope is that you would play a venue where your tickets would be sold through Ticketmaster. Yes, that would be the hope. Yeah. (laughs) Which, I mean, I guess in New York, what would that be? The Brooklyn Academy of Music, uh, Barclays? We don't have music venues anymore, so. Um. Oh, well, I mean, I, 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 you know, I, I try to keep tabs on New York, but like, 
what else is closed besides UCB? Um, well, I mean, things, things will be reopening, but it's more temporary, just closed for now because of COVID. But things are, things are reopening. I'm just being um, dark and facetious. <laughs> Fair. I, I mean, at UCB did close, guys. That isn't facetious. Yeah, UCB did close. All of them, I think. Yep. No, except UCB Franklin. There's one. Well, I'm in, um, in New York because there were three at some yeah. point. That's crazy. And it started there. It started in New York. That was the wild thing to me. Um, yeah, it had gotten a little out of hand. Oh, sorry. Are you hearing this? I'm hearing you. Yeah. <laughs> no, but can you hear there's like uh, silverware in the background? Very faintly. <laughs> okay, very cool, faintly. cool. I mean, okay. also, I haven't said this in a while on the podcast, but I, as of the like this time in the pandemic, if you're somebody that's complaining about audio quality during this time, <laughs> you can go fuck yourself. Yes. <laughs> like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Um, anyhow, uh, UCB was getting a little bit out of hand. Like, what do you what do you mean specifically? Oh, so um, UCB was. Um, you know, you see, you're starting to get a little bit of a bad rap around these parts, just with mm. the the payment of comedians versus right. how much the door costs. And right. there was, you know, a lot of people coming forward saying like they, you know, experienced different kinds of stuff in their classes there, and they reported it. Nothing ever happened. You know, there was just like it felt like a lot of a lot of things coming out. And then the I know that the you know one of their things that they said was like our rent prices here are like insane, which is true, real. Mm -hmm. But um, at some point I think, yeah, things just got maybe a little too topsy-turvy for them. Oh yeah, that's for sure too. I mean, um, I could say here in LA, it was, you know, there had been talk of a second theater for them to open, but when they did, it's like literally a five minute drive from the other one. Oh, right. Was this on Sunset? Yeah, it was on Sunset. And everybody was like, yeah, why? Why did you guys do that? Right. This city is so gigantic. Why don't you put it on the other side of town? Yeah. Um, but they didn't do that. And yeah, they actually took over what was a rehab center. Oh, this abandoned rehab center. And it was this gigantic complex that very much like, I mean, any, if anyone had been to UCB, either of them before UCB Sunset or uh, UCB Hell's Kitchen, um, it was like something that was in a basement held together with like duct tape and like grocery store bags. <laughs> yeah. And it just had a very DIY punk rock vibe. And yeah. yeah, yeah, I mean, I know that couldn't last forever, but I don't think it necessarily boded the best that people towards like last year were just like describing it as the apple store yeah it got a little culty mm -hmm. a little culty yeah and that's where i mean i i you know stand-ups are always stand -ups don't get kinda... me wrong love a cult but <laughs> yeah i mean it's great there's so many funny people from it i mean that's the hard part of it there's so many great things that ucb has brought and like has upped in the profile of comedy and even but also like when it comes to their classes <clears throat> like you need money to take those classes you know Absolutely. so that for itself just lends itself to being like it's just going to be whiter and it's going to be more male dominated and that's just oh, yeah. how it's going to be yeah and you know even though they've had like diversity programs it wasn't enough 
they during last summer they had like a virtual town hall on zoom for i think it was just la and i don't even know if new york had one because all the new york venues are closed by that point um and it was like two hours of just intense just like grievances mm-hmm. a lot of people crying a lot of like and i like i know people have a vested interest in not telling me certain things uh but like it was, and I, but I still suspected like some stuff that had to be going on, but the level of stuff that was happening was like shocking. Oh, tell me more. <laughs> In terms of like diversity inclusion, like you're sort of alluding to sexual uh, harassment uh, uh, reporting. and Yeah, like, and just how it was pretty much just like nothing done about it. Yeah, we're like, we hear you. And now we're going to put it in a file and just put it away. Yeah, and if you could just not mention it again please yeah and just you know like show up for your next uh few herald performances and just be a good team player you know right 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 yes yeah. and yes and indeed but that i mean that like dissatisfaction of that i mean i, I i'd be curious to if you know what happened on the new york side but like so many I would say a number of theaters uh, sprouted out out of dissatisfaction with like uh, UCB or any of the schools, really. Yeah, there's a few improv schools here, mm-hmm. our stage. I don't know. Actually, I don't know what's still mm-hmm. going and what's not. We'll see. <laughs> we shall see. Yeah. I mean, some stuff gets more publicly announced. Uh, others, like, I just hear uh, like, oh, that ended like a month ago. No one told me. And then I find out other things survived. I'm like, why did that one have to survive? Right. I hated that place. And now they're one of the only places there's doing shows right now. Yeah. Uh, if you want to know which one, I'll, I'll tell you after the pot. Yeah, yeah. Just... <laughs> Whisper it to me. Whisper it. Or yeah, I'll do the, I'll write it on a piece of paper and <laughs> show it to you. Just act it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> two two words. Oh, what? How do you mime comedy club in in, <laughs> in charades? I don't know. Um. Anyways. Uh. Yeah. You know what? What like? What do you think is a more fair and equitable ticketing system? Um. I think in general, or definitely with uh, comedy. Um, I mean, I guess things are going to be a little different now, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't have the answer for that. You okay. just, yeah, you should have to do the thing where you, where you, you have to bring like a tent and you have to, uh-huh. you have to stay in line um, and, like, and be there for like a week before the, uh-huh. the tickets go on sale is what I'm thinking. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, I think people are kind of game for that for a little bit. I mean, very, very realistically, like there's a um, legendary record store here in LA called a- Amoeba Records. Oh, why am I saying? You know that. You know, Amoeba. Uh, they reopened on April Fool's Day, uh, <laughs> n- not as a prank. And there was a goddamn line around the block uh, nice. all day long. Just and nice. they, they had to do limited capacity for yeah. reasons, but people didn't care. And they were just waiting there all day long. 
that's the that's the name of the place. Oh, okay, okay, got it. Yeah, <laughs> can you believe that they survived? They survived. Anyways, um, yeah, I think, I mean, kind of going back to what you were saying earlier with like, there, there will be this whole new wave, I think of like excitement, right? Of uh, performing. Yeah, like, seeing, seeing anything live. Right, I think audiences are so de desperate, like, like uh, almost to the point where it's like, it doesn't matter if it's even that funny. Like people are just excited to be out with people and like, you know, for all the times they took it for granted, you know? Um, it's very unfortunate that a global pandemic had to happen for them to learn that lesson, mm -hmm. but here we are. Here we are. And I, I, for one, think I'll revert very quickly. Like as soon as I get that, I'm going to be like, I really just want to be home. <laughs> Wait, were you an introvert before, uh, specialist? No, but the, um, you know, I have the inability to allow myself to chill. So right. I'm like the chillest uptight person, you know? Fair. So um, having this thing where it's like, oh, oh wait. Okay, so no one's going out tonight. Like no one's going to do a show tonight. No one's going to, you know, <laughs> like that That for me was um, like kind of a freeing feeling. Right. Was it immediately freeing? I mean, like, you, you know, at the start, like in March, I mean, New York was one of the most terrifying places to be in America. Yeah, it was pretty scary. Um, but I was really lucky with my living situation that I, cause I had roommates before and I just put my stuff in storage and then I had mm -hmm. the, my own place to stay in for the next nine months. Right. So that was um, something that I was really grateful for. But yeah, it was, it, I mean, I think, it was scary everywhere because we didn't know what was happening, but it was right. definitely extremely intense in, in New York. Right. And when, when would you say that feeling went away? Um, I'm hoping any day now. And... <laughs> I know. I, man, this pandemic has been 10 years too long <laughs> and I cannot wait for it to mostly be done, even though there's a considerable percentage of the populace that will not take the vaccine. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, I can't. Um, yeah, I lost a friend to QAnon. Um, oh, I'm so, so sorry. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, both my parents voted for Trump twice. And, wow, 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 wow. And only one of them is white. Um, mm. Yeah, they like to think that BLM is a terrorist organization and mm -hmm. they really want these rights to stop happening because they want to go back to shopping. Well, be sure to tell them that you interviewed Jessica Watkins because um, <laughs> yeah. they might true, have heard of me. True story. My dad went to a gun show because he's one of those people and the Oath Keepers tried to recruit him and he's like, so what are the Oath Keepers, Jake? And I'm like, uh, you really ought to look that up. And I'm really glad that you said no. Where are your parents? Um, they're actually in, they're in LA County, but they're in a place called Downey. Wow. It is the most suburban place in LA County, potentially. Like, it's a place that like, if you walk through it, you're like, this could be anywhere in America, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, the world's oldest McDonald's is there. The first Taco oh, Bell is there. So you should have started with that. Yeah, well, with that, I'm gonna... yeah, I mean, the world's oldest McDonald's is there on a technicality because it was a, a place that was originally called Speedy's that existed before 
the McDonald brothers or Ray Kroc came along. And then when Ray Kroc like took over everything, he just franchised that place into McDonald's. But it is an actual old school McDonald's with the actual golden arches. Cool. Yeah. And it, for that, it is kind of cool. But Downey itself, I like to joke, is so, so bland that corporate America uses it as like a test market for the rest of the country in California. Yeah, I would have said it's so bland. Um, they have the first McDonald's is their claim to fame. Yeah. <laughs> actually like uh i think like 10 years ago if you go to the city of downey's like webpage, like obviously oldest mcdonald's is like one of the main facts but then another thing that they use as a selling point for downey is like um home to the world's largest uh home improvement complex <laughs> yes which was so actually like not it's totally a technicality like basically there was a lowe's right next to a home depot right next to an <laughs> office max and that just like counted <laughs> straight yeah you do when i was walking i you notice yeah people there's there's very specific world's largest i don't know and then it's something very specific it's it's every city every town you know has their claim and they all sound very similar right Oh, whether it's like world's largest picnic basket. Or, yeah, or yeah. I don't know. Um, we have more farmhouses than any other city right. in the Northeast corridor. I don't know, like something really <laughs> specific. <laughs> the Northwestern hemisphere of, I don't know. I mean, that's, I think, how you know you made it as a city when you don't have to say any of those things. It's like, no, we're San Francisco. Uh, <laughs> no, we're New York. That, that's it that's all you need to know the city that never sleeps but we are taking a little nap right now we're waking oh, yeah. up we're waking yeah. up yeah <laughs> it's what is san nice... francisco's saying huh what new york is a city that never sleeps yeah What's san it, francisco it is okay so they i want to say that it's like the gate uh, gateway to is the it... west or something like that because they have the golden gate bridge mm -hmm. okay yeah um something with gold in it because okay. the, the golden state warriors play in san francisco there you go yeah there you go there you go <laughs> uh feel free to google that and email me or not i don't care uh <laughs> I, if you do before i uh, post this episode and which how would you be able to do that i would put it in the show notes but that's not gonna happen <laughs> um anyways I want to hear more about uh, special-ish. I mean, uh, and and like also your journey to now, but like, I, I feel like you had a certain intention and ethos to the whole project when you started and then it changed um, several times. Yeah, for sure. What, what, can you like walk us through what that, change in journey was because there were so many unexpected turns yeah you know initially i had 
So I had never hiked before or camped or really shot anything with a camera. Um, so this was all a huge learning experience. Mm -hmm. So, you know, me setting out and making this plan, okay, I'm going to walk across America. I'm going to do stand-up comedy. Um, the idea was that I would maybe get people to help me along the way to film. Um, you know, I would stop often to do stand-up. Um, it was going to be great and wonderful and perfect. Um, go off without a hitch. <laughs> and then you start walking and it's a little bit more difficult than you thought it was going to be. And you can't get as far as you thought you were going to be able to, and you can't plan the same way that, you know, things just had to be a little bit more free. And, um, you, the last thing you want to do after you walk 20 miles is set up a camera and film or ask someone else to film you, you know, right. when someone, is offering their home and they like, you just got done walking all day and they gave you a cold beer and you just sit down. Like the last thing you want to do is like pull out the camera and be like, now tell me about, <laughs> you know. Right? So it was, it changed, it changed. And I, and I went with it and I allowed it to be more, you know, I just filmed what I could at the beginning. And then that started as I got stronger as like a walker. Um, I think I got stronger as a filmmaker too, and, and started picking up the camera more and, um, standup was a challenge through all of that for sure. Um, you know, in the initial thought of the film, I'm sure I thought that the walk would provide hilarious jokes about freeways and tents and peeing on the side of the road, et cetera. Right. Um, but that is not what happened. And <laughs> it did not actually provide a ton of jokes. And it was pretty, like, I, you know, it was hard to want to do jokes. It was hard right. to write new material. Um, right. And so it was just kind of like pushing through all of that across mm -hmm. the country. And then once I got back, I had all this footage and I kind of had to decide what the story was going to be. It couldn't just be about a comedian walks across the country. I mean, that's interesting, but it's not a story. So yeah. that is where um, looking at the footage and then writing my stand-up special came, came into play. And mm -hmm. I used that special to tell the story of the walk. And I edited all that together. And mm -hmm. that is the comedic documentary specialish. That and is, I will say, okay. you know, the things happened along the way that changed the story, you know, that, that mm -hmm. changed what the story was about. It became a much more personal story than I right. thought it was going to be. Um, you know, my mom is in the film. My right. ex-boyfriend is in the film. Um, and then I, you know, I do this radio show where it's kind of disclosed that there was a sexual assault that yeah. happened. And that right. was totally unexpected. I mean, I wasn't, that wasn't planned. You know, I was just right. had the camera up filming and it right. happened and that, you know, I wasn't sure that that was going to be a part of the film. And then it, it right. became such a part of it. I can't imagine the film without it. Right. I mean, that is, I mean, there's so many journeys, literally and metaphorically, that you go through. Yeah. I mean, there's a part where you can't even walk. And that is, in and yeah. of itself, its own journey. But yeah, coming to terms, of, and then you even mentioned how you, you met your rapist. And, and that was like, I mean, oh. It's, it's all a very cathartic yeah. thing. And it's something that I, you know, I will say <clears throat> it's something I have been to years of therapy for before the walk mm -hmm. happened. Right. So, you know, had that same 
situation happened where I do the radio show and for whoever is listening, I do the radio show and these guys say, so you walked all this way and you haven't been raped. And I go, no, not since that first time, 10 years right. ago. Thanks for asking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we kind of laugh and it's this moment, you know, had I not sort of gone through the healing process that I'd been through before that, I don't know if that would have been my reaction, you know? Right. Um, and it kind of really made me realize even with all the healing, even with all the therapy, even with like coming as far as I have, it's still going to be there. And it's not about forgetting it. It's just about, you know, still overcoming it in different ways. So um, yeah, the, the, that became um, the film itself is, is definitely like very cathartic right. healing for right. me. Uh, and I think it's good. I mean, I, I experienced plenty of catharsis while watching it. And I mean, I think that's in and of itself kind of funny where, I mean, not to give anything away, but like that, you know, I mean, you, you I think there's such a, a, a reframing of the idea of expectations in, in this movie and in your journey that you you kind of expected a specific type of catharsis when you had it planned out. And that was another crazy thing. It's like, you planned out shows like, all right, I'm gonna walk here and I'm gonna get here at this time so I can do this show. And it's like, okay, is, was that gonna happen the whole way through? I don't think it will. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but then you get a whole different type of catharsis and then you think you have it figured out. And then a whole other thing happens and another thing happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm being vague because I want you guys to watch the movie. <laughs> uh available on streaming platforms near you on may 11th yes yeah i'm so excited to share the film it's been a very long time in the making mm -hmm. and i think it's something that um people can yeah can can feel something from and right. um yeah i'm excited absolutely so what was your journey from like so you finish your walk in what 2015 yeah and that's when i got back to new york Right. And so for, you know, all those years leading up till the pandemic, what was that journey and like getting just going through 300 hours of footage or? Um, well, when I first got back, you know, I had been sending the footage back to an editor here in New York and she was super excited for me to be back. So I, when I got back, I gave myself like three weeks and that was my off time. And then after that, we were working 40 hours a week or more together mm -hmm. and watching 300 hours of footage, which took just a month to watch once we watched right. it twice. And then it was coming up with the story and what that was going to be. And, um, that was really hard. And, you know, I, I, I talk about it a little bit in the film, but, um, the ending of the walk, like, you know, there was a whole other side of that too, just like finishing something like that. Mm -hmm. I definitely went through a little depression stage and then the pressure of feeling like, okay, now I need to like tell everyone, you know, whatever I learned on this walk. And it just <laughs> wasn't like that. So right. it actually went through some trial and error for the next few years of just kind of trying to figure out what exactly the film was going to be. And then, um, once I honed in on the story, I got some um, funding from a production company, Glass House, who's the executive producers of the film. Mm -hmm. And with that, um, I brought on a new editor, Christine Simon, and we worked together for a year on the project. And then we brought on two other people to help finish it off just with the final like story edit, which really brought it home. And um, we finished the film in 2000. 
2018, 2019 was doing festivals. And then 2020 was the year that we all were, well, 2019. And I did do, um, a festival in 2020 and then COVID happened. And, um, that's when I started to pursue distribution and was, um, signed a contract with random media and they're going to be the ones putting out the film. But yeah, I mean, um, it's a long process. It was a huge learning experience. Right. You know, they always say it's the triangle. You can either have it like fast, good or cheap. And like, mm. you have to choose. And you can so, only get I mean, two. I was definitely, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it definitely wasn't fast. Um, right. But I will say after working with other people on the film, whether it's sound or the visual people, when they talk about documentary films, seven years is this magic number that they say a lot of, like that's that's a lot of projects is, is mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm right in the, right in the ballpark. Right in the ballpark, yeah. <laughs> I, um, I wonder on a technical basis, like, so you're shooting all this footage and you're sending it back to your editor. How did that happen while you were on the road? Yeah, so I um, had three different drives that I traveled with, and then whenever right. I would get to a post office, I would just I would mail her one, and I would still have the drive with on, and then she had successfully uploaded it. I could clear my drive, mm-hmm. and you can send um, mail to any post office. You don't have to have a PO box or anything. You can just send some mail to a post office. Attention, Jessica Watkins, with right. any post office. Um, so I would just pick one that I'd be walking by the next right. week or so, and um, they would have it for me. Wow. Um, how did you keep everything powered? I had a solar panels and a big battery. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. The solar panels, I didn't actually end up using as much um, because the battery itself really kept things juiced up and I was staying in people's houses enough. It was, I used the solar panels more when I got out West, but on the East half, I was able to like charge my stuff up pretty much every night. You know, if I was staying with someone or even on a campground, they had, right. Um, a generator. Yeah. Well, just Ooh. like electricity, you know, yeah. you just come across electricity a lot more than you think you will whenever you're like planning this out and then you're like, Oh yeah. Right. right. For like right. half the country, I'm going to still be getting somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, if the if Nikola Tesla had his way, it wouldn't be a big deal. There'd just be electricity everywhere. <sighs> someday. 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 When the aliens come. <laughs> when the aliens come. <laughs> You're really betting on that, huh? I'm hoping. <laughs> I'm of oh, cool. I mean, sure. I hope they come in peace. Probably not, <laughs> but I hope so. Um, it, do you did you have any reflections on the movie as you were? finally getting it to that cut right before the pandemic what was the question any reflections on it yeah as like i mean you went through the journey i mean i think it's pretty uh savvy of you to take three weeks off just to get a little bit of distance rather than go right into it yeah you need way more time than that after something like this i think um but yeah um you know It's interesting when you've been, one of the things is you've been looking at the footage for so long over and over and over again. So you, you get tired you, of yourself. Just like um, hours. I got numb to myself. So that's there. good because at the beginning it was very hard to watch. Um, I mean, yeah, just really, I was not thinking about how I looked, you know, at all <laughs> when filming like that hadn't crossed my mind that like, Hey, Jess, you might want to look kind of cool. Like, when you, <laughs> <laughs> like just a little bit. Um, right. I just straight up was like, no, I want to look like 
just maybe a boy scout or something so when people saw me they like didn't know what was going on but um oh so you're seeing the same footage over and over again for so long and you forget how people are going to perceive certain things and I also forgot how people were going to perceive themselves and then I've like put them into this story you know so just kind of having to like show my mom you know like a mom you're like a storyline and moment just watch the whole thing because you you know it, it turns around but or my friend Dan who's the comedian that you meet at the beginning of the film you know he watched it and he was just like he was pissed he was like I like this and I was like Dan it's funny like it's funny and he was like no it's not <laughs> and I'm like come on we're comedians <laughs> yeah but he's still like but I want to be not seem like such a downer <laughs> gosh Dan and I didn't think actually I thought he was just being sensitive but then you know you have to get certain kinds of insurance for the film and they're you know they make sure that you have certain signatures from people that they think could be problematic and he was the only one in the film that she was like do you have a signature from this person and I was like yes I do she's yeah. like because the way you and I was like I really didn't think about it in that way so <laughs> Sorry, Dan. Love you. Uh, yeah. Also, your you your mom gets it rougher than Dan. And I and I think you know. And this is the part where I'm I'm putting blood on the table too. Is that a saying? I don't think it is. But I'm putting uh, skin skin in the game is what I, I'm putting some skin in the game too. Yeah. Um. So I think that ultimately, yeah, they they all come around with that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> now, when lockdown happened, uh, and the pandemic took hold in America, what did that do to change your plans, expectations, anything like that? Um, I had wanted to retrace doing some kind of screening tour. Um, mm -hmm. And this just kind of pushed me into the realm of, let's just see what we can put out digitally and take it from there. Right. So that definitely changed a little bit. Yeah. Um, would you ever, I mean, that sounds really cool. Would you ever want to like, yeah, I would definitely do that. I would definitely do that. So it's yeah. de definitely on my radar. Okay. And you, would you actually try to like retrace as much as you could your, um, I definitely want to go back to, to, to the major like towns mm -hmm. that I stopped in and, and right. reconnect with some people. I made so many friends right. that I'm still in contact with. And I think for, for shits and giggles, it would be probably cool if you brought an inflatable screen to Pie Town and just made a special Pie Town screening. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, Kathy, the woman who makes the pies there, like her and I are BFFs. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm super excited to share the film. They haven't seen it yet. <laughs> I've been looking. Sure. Uh, that's, that's wonderful. So wait, what, what have you, um, I guess what have you been doing with the? I mean, yeah, exploring where you would digitally do with it. But in that part, I mean, like you know, were there any changes in thoughts or reflections on the movie? And what else were you doing with that time? Just being inside, uh, where you been? Um. Well, if I told you, I'd have to kill you. Um, <laughs> no, I. Um. I don't know. I think I, I was definitely. Um, there's been a lot of reflection happening. Um, and I've just been like enjoying being in that, in that chill downtime. Um, I've been, Oh, Oh, sorry. Oh, okay. Um, I've been allowing myself to create other kinds of art too. Mm -hmm. Um, I like to paint, 
Uh, is that a painting I, like, I see in the background that is yours? It is not mine, but okay. it is a painting. Oh, it's in the mirror, um, I'm guessing. I'm seeing it yes. in the mirror, yeah. <laughs> um, so I think mostly um, reflecting on the alternative, like that year that I was gone and just what an alternative way of living it was. Mm -hmm. And um, I feel like this last year has really shaken up the way people see, um, you know, how we live our lives, how much we work. Mm -hmm. um, also, um, in that, like, what what is the, you know, what's something that you've always wanted to do that you've never done or what are we like one of the books that I read when I um before I did the walk was called the man who quit money and it was like he had he lived off of no money at all and things were just provided for him and it was you know it's like a very old white guy hippie book but uh, I'm like okay everything's just provided got it yeah, yeah um but there was something in that um something in that about like just giving in to whatever, you know, you, wh whatever path you're going down. And I think that, uh, and like our false sense of securities that we have, like we have so many false sense of securities, especially here mm -hmm. in North America. And I feel like a lot of people were faced with that in the last year. And so mostly it really just in reflecting made me really thankful for that time that I had and, mm -hmm. um, for like seeing outside of the, the matrix that we all kind of live in, you know? Right. Right. Um, and I guess with that in my, like, cause I don't want to be murdered, so I won't dig into detail. <laughs> like, well, to be honest, um, uh, distributing film has so many hoops that you have to jump through, mm -hmm. um, that I had no idea about. And I've been doing the produ producing side of, of that myself. So that that's been a, a huge focus the last few months like getting over that finish line it's a lot of red tape and a lot right. of money and a lot of um learning as i go isn't it shocking that anything gets made at all it's really i mean and i and i yeah i mean reflecting on the fact that i made a feature film you know i mean yeah. that's that was something i realized from doing the festival run just like how exciting that was just within itself you know it's hard to finish anything whether it's you know, a podcast, a short film, and like to create a feature film and be putting it out. I'm really excited. Yeah, absolutely. And you should, you should be. I mean, it is hard to finish something that's even bad, you know? <laughs> uh, I mean, that was like the, one of the worst films uh, of all time, Manos the Hands of Fate, which was made off of like this guy, I believe in El Paso was like, he saw some Hollywood or some midnight horror movies at the time and was just like, I could do that and like took out his basically his like eight millimeter camera and tried to make some, and it was so, so terrible. Like, I mean, finishing that in and of itself was an accomplishment. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely, um, yeah, I'm, we'll be basking in that feeling for right. approximately 48 hours. <laughs> 48 hours? Wait, so what? what is this for? Is this the 48 That's just, hours? I've just created in my mind. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Uh, no, I was envisioning 48 hours of you just being like in this room, like checking your phone, checking your laptop, just like seeing like who's watching it, who's like tweeting, which, which of my friends are <laughs> tweeting out about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
that that that's got to be both exciting and so stressful but uh no you should definitely be proud of it because it's a really beautiful movie and i think it's a meditation on so many things it's like i was watching it on meditation on like the your sort of like purpose and drive as somebody who's a creative and then as a comedian there's even like i i was remember uh reminded of this stand-up documentary it's called dying laughing and it's Mm. all famous people it's all famous people and they're just saying how bad doing the road is yeah (laughs) and and honestly it's so depressing and it's mostly just talking heads and then like b-roll of like just freeways and then some stand-up footage yeah and it's just so sad and i'm like all right i don't think this is really helping the art form at all right 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 where I think this is more along the, like, I mean, I think comedian, like the one with Jerry Seinfeld in it, kind of like is more like, all right, this is like part of a path. This is part of a journey. This is, you see growth, you see um, what this art art form could be in its sort of like DNA. Uh, and I think that's really hard to capture because so much of standup is so ephemeral. Yeah. Well, thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, do you have like a virtual premiere party or in-person premiere party or anything like that? Um, I, I am setting that up right now. I'm going to be in Nashville because that's where I'm from. So I'm going to go down to Nashville. Um, I've got a couple interviews planned there and I probably will do a very small in-person thing with this, like my family, maybe, um, I'll definitely be planning some kind of virtual hang. So, oh, cool. Well, yeah, please keep me in the loop for that okay, oh I, and I guess nashville is like where you film the like film's final yeah mm-hmm. awesome yeah um and i will add your hair looks great in that oh thank you <laughs> yeah <laughs> after you're <laughs> just like thinking about you looking at the footage you're like oh uh, yeah 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 i didn't I had like the one hair clip that I just kept throwing my hair on top of my head. There's like some, some snapshots I have from that where I'm just like, this is proof. I'm in the moment people. I am right. being sincerely like, you know, I was, I was, um, you can't help but be raw at the, you know, when mm-hmm. you're doing something so physically enduring, like you can't right. help, but just be yourself at the end of the day. Right. Which I think is a beautiful part of the film because uh, again, you like had this whole idea of what it was going to be, and then it was none of that. Yeah. And it, I mean, like, and in truth, there's no way that it could have been what you had planned because right. that's just how life works. Yeah, and also it would have been a way lamer documentary to try to fit it into that puzzle, right. you know. I think that that was the finding of the real story was seeing the story in that, you know, that right. it wasn't. You know, because I could have d- d- taken that footage and decided to tell whatever story I wanted to, you know, but um, right. I think that there, yeah, there, that, that was, was part of it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's way more engaging and treat. And it also kind of reminded me of, there's another documentary called the um, un- unnamed or untitled um, Amazing Jonathan documentary. Mm-hmm. And this guy, Ben Berman, he, was one of, as he found, like multiple filmmakers trying to make a documentary about this comedian magician, The Amazing Ah. Jonathan. But he didn't even know that when he had started. Like he asked Amazing Jonathan and then he just kept running into other people who were like, wait, are you making a documentary about Amazing (laughs) Jonathan? And they're like, yeah, what are you doing? 
I'm making a documentary about Amazing Jonathan. <laughs> and, he, and he didn't know what was real and what wasn't. And like, there was talk of like producers who had worked on a film that like uh, had won an Oscar. And then he didn't know if that was real. And like, there's so many turn like the documentary starts out as like, oh, this is gonna be about a comedian. It's a bio, the like sort of profile. And then it, it follows the journey of like, wait, what are we even doing here? Why am I making this? This is so weird. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Which is an important question to ask. Why? Is an important, important question <laughs> to ask. But yeah, I think, I think even beyond comedy, I think it's an important movie to watch it for any sort of creative in terms of like, you know, if you're somebody doing the artist way or doing morning pages <laughs> and you're like, why the hell am I doing this? Is this going to lead to anything? There you go. Yeah, I think you're asking the wrong questions. <laughs> um, anyways, it has been lovely, lovely talking to yeah, you. Yeah, thank uh, you for having me. Absolutely. Um, anything else you would like to mention about Specialish or anything else you would like to plug? And where can just, people you find online? Yeah, I'm just so excited to share the film. It's been such a long time in the making. Um, biggest thing to do is just follow me on social media. I'm a Jessica Watkins mm -hmm. and not to be confused with the one who stormed the Capitol. Type um, in Jessica Watkins comedian. Into yes, Google. if you put comedian afterwards, you will find me and I'll be giving updates about the film. And yeah, the best way to just follow on there, follow the film specialish. Uh, you can find that on Instagram as well and go check out the trailer on YouTube or Vimeo. If you go to the website, it's all there. And yeah, any support would be greatly appreciated. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'm definitely going to tell people as I am doing with this podcast. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, I am Jake Kroger. I create the Comedy Bureau. You can find the Comedy Bureau at thecomedybureau.com, at the Comedy Bureau across socials. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at notthesupermarket and on Twitter at MFJ Kroger. There are a lot of great causes to support at this time. Uh, and I ask that you please support those. But if you have money or generosity left over after that, I ask you if you please support me because I'm the only person that runs this whole thing. And I've been doing that for over a decade and any uh, support would be greatly, greatly appreciated. Do you have anything else to say, Jessica, as we sign off here? Uh, Specialish, May 11th, go see it. Right on. And fuck uh, the police. <laughs> and uh, that too. <laughs> um, as I like to say at the end of every episode, comedy is still happening. And as the great Brody Stevens would say, enjoy it! <laughs>recorded, produced, and edited by Jake Kroger. Music by Brian Guineo. Artwork by Andrew Delman and KT. And part of the Believe Podcast family. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.